gals and non-binary pals, welcome to In the Chaos with Cal and Sarita, a podcast between two friends just trying to have it all. I'm Cal, a semi-professional homosexual, a media strategist, and an eclectic witch. And I'm Sarita. I blend the magical with the practical to create a better community for all. Each week, we'll share how we're dealing with the chaos of culture, politics, and astrology. Let's go, girls. Hi, friends. It is another episode of In the Chaos, and we are so excited. Uh, As always, we're always excited because this is fun for us. (laughs) <laughs> it is fun for us. We do enjoy this. Happy to be back. Happy to be um, back. It is the tail end of Scorpio season, just feeling everything. Um, we're recording this on the day of um, Taylor's version of Red dropping. So oh. interesting. An you interesting day I to feel. feel things. You know how yeah, I feel. Well, Serena and I do disagree on this. And so we'll just not spend any more time on it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> for the sake of the podcast, ch- we would like to be, remove ourselves from this narrative. Yeah, that's a whole other episode, I think, on um, one Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, but this week we are talking about the outer planets. Um, we've done several episodes like this, talking about different planets, talking about different signs, what they mean in our charts, etc., and how you can explore them. So we wanted to do an episode on the outer planets, um, which include Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Um, And just talk a little bit about what each of those planets mean, how they show up in our chart, and how you can work with them. Um, But before we get into those meat and potatoes, we have some chaos to talk through. So we're going to jump right on in. flowers you would like to give well um i think we actually have um some joint flowers to give this week to mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. um a notable uh new candidate on the scene Ooh, yes yes, um, yes 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 in texas politics yes and um, making national headlines i mean really i feel like driving the narrative right now is one big bird for senate um yes <laughs> like um <laughs> what i love about this is i was like wait there's not a senate seat up this year in texas what's getting ready baby and you were like they're running against ted cruz who's up yeah. in four years which like <laughs> Uh, look, 2024 will be here sooner than we think. You know, and Ted Cruz, he's he's a tough one to take down. You gotta you gotta get started early. A cockroach, that one. truly. God, just ugh, everything but a nuclear apocalypse. He survived so far. Um, so 
if you haven't seen this, this is relatively new information for me too. Um, you know, Ted Cruz has spent some time talking mm. about his friend Big Bird mm. um, and the threat <laughs> that Big Bird and uh, PBS, you know, publicly funded media, etc. We love really PBS poses. in this house. Oh, yes. We are a public media household for sure. NPR, PBS, we see you babes. Yes. Um, but, you know, he's really had a lot to say about socialist icon uh, Big Bird. Yes. And, you know, it seems what? that Big Bird really hit a point and was like, All right, enough I can't is enough. Let this fucker drag me through the fucking anymore. Let's go, Teddy. Can we please go through Big Bird's staff just for a hot note? <laughs> because shut the fuck up there is a whole i didn't realize this was there's a universe like someone has really okay i have a whole new level of respect for this person and this team because usually when people do this shit it's like some half-ass like parody account absolutely but this is they said i'll see your marble and raise you three Absolutely. Oh my first, God. I we can't have wait for the documentary. <laughs> first, uh, Cookie Monster is the campaign manager. <laughs> Elmo is a uh, senior advisor. That Rosita, feels right for Elmo. He's absolutely. really a jack of all trades. Rosita is policy director. And okay. there is a tweet from an account Rosita para Big Bird. <laughs> and for those of us in the political fucking space, uh, the tweet I'm about to read to you is going to hit too close to home. Oh, <clears throat> From Rosita Para Big Bird. One can say my love for advocacy started then and there. Fighting for mi comunidad was top priority then and continues to be now. Hashtag Team Big Bird. <laughs> this is way too close to a personal news tweet and I yes. want to be sh- shot immediately into the fucking sun. Um, and just to wrap up the list of hires, Grover is the grassroots organizing director. <laughs> the count is the finance director. Okay, so a, a political person is doing this. And Bert is the comms director. Oh my God. Oh, and Bert's it's actually so perfect. perfect. Bert would be friends with every reporter in town. Uh, just the way that this is so specific and perfectly executed, absolutely, it has to be a political person, definitely a comms or digital person. Like, they have been, Big Bird has been uh, endorsed by a state rep in Michigan. Big Bird also recently gave a shout out to a new Texas candidate, Luke Warford, who's running for railroad commissioner. Um, I also... This has to, this most likely is a Texas person because there are signs in Austin now along the road that say elect Big Bird for U.S. Senate. And it's a yellow outline of Texas with a photo of Big Bird on it. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie. It's a beautiful sign. They've got this it is. background going. Like, like, that's okay, why I'm like, this has babes. to be, this ha- like, there's a comms person involved because this yeah. is too fucking well done. Look at what we've spotted from our campaign bus traveling through Texas's state capital. If you see these signs on your commute today, send us a picture. Like, this is campaign culture. 
And then here's my favorite tweet. I'm sorry. I have to tell you (laughs) the way that this tweet had me cackling for over 10 minutes. Are you ready? I'm ready. Big Bird tweeted, I'm ready to help Texas bird back better. Oh. (laughs) I'm so fucking mad. That is a fucking hate crime. I am so... It doesn't stop being funny. It's that's the thing. It's shit. It's not funny. Hi, I have been named the comms director for Senator Big Bird's campaign for Senate. Please do me a favor and retweet this and follow Senator Big Bird at monster underscore manager and at director Elmo to amplify our campaign as much as possible. Looking forward to saving Texas from Ted Cruz. There are multiple (laughs) Twitter accounts. Yes. There really is a whole universe. Jesus Christ. They've created a whole entire world and network for Big Bird and his campaign for Senate. And it's just, this is what I needed. (laughs) The fact that the count tweeted, the count posted a photo of Ted Cruz and another dumb fuck Republican and said, one, two, I count two insurrectionists. (laughs) Comedic gold. <laughs> wow, this almost makes me miss the internet. Almost. Almost. It's well, not Ted- worth me getting back on Twitter, but it's close. While Ted Cruz likes to fly away, Big Bird is here to stay. Oh my fucking God. We have we have to move on. Anyways, this was... <laughs> I hate how much I love this. It is so wholesome and good. This is truly and I like hate it. Probably a couple po- politics campaign people because it's a lot of truly. content for one person. Yeah. Uh, and if it is one person, whew. but anyway, Bless it's you. definitely someone from politics who was like, "I am on the edge of a mental breakdown. I don't know what the fuck I want to do next. Can do next." what will happen next because everything is difficult and because hard. Because I was just employed in Virginia. I was about and... to say, honestly, they probably are from Virginia. <laughs> and Originally this, from Texas. I worked in Virginia. I went to Virginia. At, like, And oh, this is what God. they needed for their <laughs> mental health and wellness. And the fact that they are sharing it with us is truly chef's kiss. Shout out to you, Big Bird for Senate. Thank you, friends, for your levity, for your willingness you to, sh- and to let us into this world. I really do appreciate it. Um, I'm also obvious, like everything's bad. Um, yeah, but we need Big Bird for Senate because there's <laughs> shitty things that we now need to scream about. Uh, including just like... All of y'all in charge of Astroworld. Just really... Okay, here's the thing. As someone from Houston, as someone who grew up going to Astroworld, the theme park... Oh my god, I watched a documentary on this place. I didn't know anything about this. Oh, like, that was my fucking summer... Like, look, every field trip... Literally, of course you went to Astroworld. Every field trip, every vacation, every treat 
we went to Astroworld, we went to Space Center Houston, or we went to Celebration Station. That was Celebration it. Station. That shit popped off. The water bumper cars were my fucking shit. Yes. That was it. And then if it was truly a big deal, you took a weekend vacation in Galveston. That's the Houston Correct. fucking life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yep. Galveston of all places was the treat. Um <laughs> those turquoise blue waters. <laughs> A coast lined with McDonald's. We were born just in time for Galveston to be destroyed by an oil spill. You know? Yep. Um, really interesting. But Astroworld. Um, Astroworld Festival. Um, what a nightmare. I'm sure a lot of folks have heard, but just in case, super quick recap. Travis Scott, uh, known as the hometown hero from Houston. Which I call bullshit, but anyways. Here's... I'm going to, no, I'm going to add to your bullshit because his persona is that like, he's a kid from Houston who like made it to the rap game, which first of all, not unique, but second of all, meanwhile is standing. Also like the way Houston creates rappers, like, sir, I mean, it is quite the world. He is from like a pretty nice family. He was a Jack and Jill kid. Which, for folks who don't know, like, Jack and Jill is a summer camp slash, like, development uh, organization for Black students who are, like, middle school, high school age. It's, like, honor society for Black kids, and then there's a summer camp that everyone goes to. I was not a Jack and Jill family because my mom hates other parents and (laughs) did not want to be around me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fun fact when my brother played football uh try being raised by a capricorn you know? good fucking luck when my brother <laughs> played football all the moms would get together for game the night before the game if it was a home game they made them steak dinners the dads grilled and then the moms made little goodie bags for all of the players and if it was a away game then they were snack bags and the way my mom said absolutely not i'll just make him one myself for my brother. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> she said, I don't want to, I have friends. I don't want to be around you people. Um, so anyways, Travis Scott is a Jack and Jill kid. So he's really cultivated a persona of like, kind of like old Lil Wayne. And like when Lil mm. Wayne was doing like the X games of yeah. like rap and rock and like being able to like cross, uh, cross cultures that like, technically both originated within black communities. Never forget mm-hmm. black people created rock and roll. Shout out Lizzo. Um, but anyway, his 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 whole thing is the hometown hero. Um, and he's put on the World Festival for a few years now. It didn't happen last year because of COVID. So like people are fucking amped, which we've seen this at all the festivals that have come back this year of people being on like a fucking 10. Oh my fucking God. <laughs> like I, this, I have to step in here because yes. I, <laughs> I saw videos of you motherfuckers like before this even happened, like earlier in the day, y'all just like running the fuck over people. Like, so here's the thing. Breaking down barriers. Like, y'all literally have forgotten how to fucking act. You have forgotten how to 
act outside of your home when surrounded by other people. And I need everyone, I need every single person in the United States of America to take three deep breaths before doing anything in public for the next six months. Because I swear to fucking God, y'all don't give a shit about people. Like, I... I am, I couldn't believe it. To Cal's point, before the, before the show even started, people like were rushing and being wild and out to try to get in that they broke the barrier, the like gates to like help with crowd control to get in, which should have been a fucking indicator. Right. We should have shut it the fuck down immediately. And this is coming from someone who has jumped many of those silver fucking gates. (laughs) in her past anyone behaving in that way has no business being out in public i include myself in that (laughs) i mean i literally saw a woman who like didn't make it over the barrier and like got caught in the crowd she lost like three quarters of her fucking hoodie to those people yeah like I have a vivid memory of a hard haunted, uh, which for any electronic music fans out there, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and if you don't, you don't. It's fine. You're better off. You probably have more brain cells than me. But I have a vivid memory of me and my friend in just like tight, fucking teeny tiny clothes. And we had we had shown our tickets and everything. Like we had, we had actually paid for this one and got in, but there was like a long line wrapping through to get in because that's how crowd control fucking works. But we were young and not sober in any way, yeah. um, and we got caught up like surrounded by a bunch of like USC bros that were all six two plus. And these white men surely were not going to wait anymore. So they decided to like unhook the gates. And then when that didn't work, they just started, they were so tall, they could kind of just step over them. And we were like, we're just small little ladies. So these men picked us up and just carried us over the gates. Oh my God. And me and my friend both were like, honestly, didn't feel like waiting. Yeah. (laughs) Let me be carried into the festival. Again, anyone behaving in that way has no business. I just decided public. Like these people should have seen this happening at their festival and said, no, these fuckers don't know how to act. They are going home. Well, and the other thing, the issue of like things going bad before it even starts is the festival was woefully understaffed. Uh-huh. And again, the minute that shit starts to go left, when you don't have the resources to deal, you need to be shutting shit down, not amping people up. And so I don't want to give this too much time. But again, in short, um, it's at least nine people have died. There are confirmed rumors that people got stabbed with um, needles of who knows what. Um, There's also um, confirmed or confirmations. Fucking Houston PD. Again, you know how I feel about the police. Oh, what did those fucking pigs do? Those fucking pigs tried to blame everything on the mystery syringes and just like crowd unruliness, which here's the thing. Art Acevedo. Fuck you, Art. Um, like go you to keep hell. getting fired from jobs for a reason. I wonder um, why. <laughs> but, one, I couldn't help but wonder. 
But it's like, it's a real 50-50. Like, yes, your crowd was wild and way beyond normal, allowable expectations. And also, you did not properly staff the event. And that solely lives at your feet. Because even if you want to do this thing of like, well, the like producers didn't want it, your job police is safety. And if someone says, well, I want to do it in an unsafe way, then you say, then you don't do it. Not right. That's fine. <laughs> it like keeps our art, budget down. Baby, did they not cover crowd control at the Academy? They probably <laughs> didn't because it's the fucking cops. But yeah. you are the fucking police chief of one of the largest fucking police uh Forces. Forces in the fucking country. And y'all can't fucking staff a concert, which y'all have done a million and a half fucking times. Like this like, particular festival has happened before. It's always in Houston because, again, it's Houston shit. Also, Houston has had so many types of things like this. And you're telling me that you don't know how to do it? All and, the cops know how to do our murder people. So like about they were that. in their scene. They were in yeah, their vibe, in right. their element. Also, because... like a like a huge fuck you to Miss Kylie Jenner. Um, oh, just I, like okay. Here's a fun conspiracy theory. Oh God, Miss Kylie, in that Kylie mysteriously seems to constantly be in fucked situations and magically making statements of like oh, like I got out right before something. Like she was there the night that Tory Lane shot Meg and oh, then nobody yeah. heard anything from her for a very long time. And eventually she said something along the lines of like, a lot happened. And then like she, like something really fucking dumb. I don't even remember. A lot happened. <laughs> Things, points were made. Um, but then also with this, um, World Festival, like, she, like, all the footage that she was, like, posting, like, from her vantage point, like, Kylie could see what was up. She and, posted videos of the fucking ambulance. And, like, the, the Kardashian Jenners do not go anywhere without at least two to three bodyguards on them at all fucking no. times. No. Uh -uh. So, Kylie, you can't tell me that, like, you were, like, fearful and didn't know what to do because I know that you were safe and you were taken care of and you didn't use any of those means or resources to help people that were actually in danger and it's just like I mean it's more of the the other the other piece of the like conspiracy that's not really a conspiracy is that like ultimately Kris Jenner momager Scorpio extraordinaire is never going to let her as nope. her her children be associated with the crux of the problem even though yep. they're the fucking problem mm -hmm. but like chris is also going to be and the team is going to be running behind the scene of like any point at which kylie starts to seem like she could be involved implicated whatever shut it down get rid oh, of it burn it bury it i am rewatching succession right now and chris Jenner more it. than anyone gives me logan roy vibes fully like the family will be taken care of by any and all means like she's gonna be fucking fine of course absolutely um, anyways like, fuck all y'all like the last thing i will say about this is one travis scott has a history 
of his shows escalating and getting to a dangerous and or deadly place. There was a show a few years ago, it might have actually been another World Festival, where um, a kid, a minor, was like up in the, like on a balcony, like whatever. And Travis got the crowd to chant along with him to encourage the kid to jump. Jesus. From there to like crowd surf, the kid jumped, the kid is now paralyzed <sighs> for forever. Someone has died at a Travis Scott show before from things escalating in a similar fashion. Travis also was once like in the recording studio recording one night with with like a producer or an audio engineer, someone. The person had a seizure and Travis left them and did not go for help. He just dipped. So like he's a fucking problem. Oh, my God. Yeah. Look, I've spent a lot of time researching the Astro World Festival. Uh, I mean, Travis Scott is just like a horrid person. A whole fucking problem, and like the situations being held or not not being handled like well. Again, people at least nine people are dead. People are still in the hospital. Like, because the other thing that happened that I don't think a lot of people realize is a possibility in a situation like that is that many people had heart attacks they went into cardiac arrest because Mm -hmm. they were either being like so like suffocated because the crowds are like moshing and moving and like not and like pushing or there were also people who had like adverse reactions from being injected with something there was one defibrillator and one ambulance for the whole festival so rotten to the core (laughs) like there are lawsuits all over the place y'all are about to lose so much money hugh you a lot of y'all are probably going to jail like god this i yeah who knows how this is gonna turn out um we've also got some astrology things moving and shaking happening this week um we have a full moon in Taurus as well as a lunar eclipse in Taurus coming up, which is pretty big. It's also like the first of several eclipses we're going to have before the end of the year. My first house is in Taurus, so got to get ready for it's eclipse season, baby. And here's the treat of the eclipses <laughs> they are. Pure and utter chaos. And as Cal has said, chaos is a ladder. But here's the thing. It can be a ladder up or a ladder down, depending on how Two ways to go up and down a ladder. Um, We typically, like, eclipses and full moons, uh, when when we're having eclipses, are not a great time for manifesting. So, you know, the last new moon that we had a couple weeks ago was sort of the last seed to really plant before the end of the year because of the upcoming eclipses that does not mean that you can't work on manifestation in other ways it's just specifically when doing moon magic and working with the moon the other thing the thing that i love about the eclipses is that i love mess and the eclipses are fully someone just pulling the rug out from underneath you sometimes It's you, and that fucking sucks because now you're off kilter, you're off balance, surprises that you weren't expecting. But sometimes it's happening to people who need the rug pulled the fuck out from underneath them. 
And because something needs to be revealed, there's been some dirts under the rug that they've been trying to hide and it needs to be revealed. And so, I mean, I say this in general of what is done in the dark will come into the light, but eclipses amplify that mm-hmm. and really force up and out the secrets that have been, it's, the universe will never give you anything that you're not ready to handle. Okay. And where can I get a piece of driftwood? Would you, should I put it on a pillow? I Uh, think it looked beautiful in my home. (laughs) Oh, live, laugh, love. Um, And also like the, like eclipses, a mercury retrograde, like this stuff that, has kind of a notorious, uh, like a notorious thing about it. Um, It's never bringing forward something that hasn't already been bubbling to the surface. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of, have you been seeing the signs? Have you been listening? Have you been honoring yourself and your needs and your boundaries and like all of that? And, and I don't say this in a like, have you been fucking doing it way? Cause like no one's perfect. None of us are doing it always. Sometimes we think we're over shit and turns out we're not right. Like that can be a lesson in and of itself of mm-hmm. can you handle the discomfort of still processing, adding myself on that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it is typically like, there's always, or I shouldn't say always, but there's usually like an aha moment of like, oh, that's what that's been. Oh, that's what that was. Oh, that that was the message that was trying to come through, whether I wanted to hear it or not. So look at Taurus in your chart. Look at your moon as well um, to kind of get some insights into where shit might be popping up for you. Um, As Cal said, their Taurus uh, is in their first house of body and self, right? Taurus for me is my Mars placement as well as my fourth house of home and family. And I'm definitely dealing with some house shit right now. So (laughs) I would honestly love a rug to be pulled at this point. Um, But yeah, take a little peeksie to see what might be popping off for you. Yeah. Um, there's also, and that's like the beginning of eclipse season two. So like that is only the first of a couple of eclipses that we'll have through the end of the year. So we're entering a very, um, spicy, spicy time, lots of opportunity, but also lots of uncertainty, um, which can be kind of scary as someone who loves certainty. Um, we've also, Venus has recently moved into Capricorn. Um, Also big astrology for me personally, because Venus rules my chart. Um, And uh, my chart's full of Capricorn. Um, So that will actually be happening through March 6th. March 6th. Um, So depending where Capricorn is in your chart, you should just kind of take a look at where Capricorn is in your chart and and um, look deeply there as to how like Venus being in that part of your chart could be impacting you. I um I was pulling up our In the Chaos group chat because we recently talked about Venus and Capricorn and I was breaking it down for John, our audio editor, because he has Venus and Capricorn as well as Cal. Um, and <laughs> just... I I will be fully transparent. This is not a placement that I love. 
Um, <laughs> Venus doesn't thrive in Capricorn. Yeah. You're and telling me. <laughs> specifically, so Venus, I, I was pulling up my notes. Venus, our planet of love, plays a really big part in um, how we love ourselves, how we love others, right? Like Venus is is all about love and pleasure and and sensuality and all of that. Capricorn is a sign that is about structure, rules, restriction. Saturn's ruled or Capricorn is ruled by Saturn, which again, like that is all about like foundation, creating the container. For my tarot folks, that's the emperor type of energy of being like really specific and like this is how things work and this is how things don't work. And so for love, that can get tricky because love is hard to define. It's hard to codify. It's hard to like, again, not to like be super annoying, but like, you know it when you feel it. And you know when it's gone. Um. <laughs> I think of, like, when I think of these I'm two planets <laughs> and, like, these two signs, I think about, like, a Capricorn or Capricorn has, like, their spreadsheet. They have their budget every time they yes. spend anything that is going in the spreadsheet to track the budget. Whereas Taurus, um, which is the ruler of Venus and Venus itself, like, they like have their credit card and they're like, I'll pay it off at the end of the month. It'll be fine. Absolutely. I've got a paycheck. Absolutely. In. And it'll still get paid, but it's going on the credit card for now for points. Right. And a Capricorn's like, like, but why would I, why would I spend money that I physically tangibly do not have credit? Right. Capricorns are like credit. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. not and mm-hmm. this I'm looking at also what I put in the chat was a Capricorn Venus can get stuck in, does this someone or something tick off all the boxes? You've created a system, a checklist, a container for what you imagine love to be, but in how you express it, both in how you express it and how you want to receive it. So when the math isn't mathing, your impulse is to turn off and abort mission. Your yep. The work of a Venus Capricorn placement is determining what are deal breakers versus what are nice to have. In the absence of perfection, can you still be fulfilled? Yep. I should put that in my blog. <laughs> you should. You absolutely should. <laughs> um, it's a very, like, well, it's a good way to articulate it. And I think that, like, because there's so much Capricorn on my chart, I think about Capricorn all the time. And Capricorn, part of Capricorn's, like, focus on systems is also making sure that those systems last. That's why they're yes. interested in systems, because yes. systems... Sustainability are technically built to be sustainable, right? And without systems, it's harder to replicate things, to continue things in an efficient way, right? And so applying that to, like, Venus, the ruler of, like, pleasure and, like, these relationships, um, it can get very, like, well, is this relationship going to last? If not, why would I invest in it kind of thing? Um, Again, being raised by a Capricorn. Well, you're everyone's on the chopping block. Uh, Anyways, so <laughs> Venus and Capricorn. Think about how it might be impacting your chart. Could have some big things. Could have some little things in store for you. Who's think about yes. Think about where you have Venus, where you have Capricorn, all of that. And to Cal's point, systems allow as much as I like shit on it. Systems allow us to be sustainable. And to think about long-term success and longevity. And so where are 
the ways, where are the places, the ways in our lives that we are not loving sustainably mm-hmm. is a good question to think about during this transit. Yeah, very good journal prompt. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to chat about the outer planets. again um and we're talking about our lovely outer planets this episode um the outer planets are really interesting to me because they do move so slowly so they tend to represent like generational shifts and often they're because they change signs you know some of them every couple of years pluto every like 10 or 12 years or something like that you know they um we tend to think of them generationally, whereas we think of like the big six as changing very rapidly. Your personal planets. Your personal planets, right? Um, so I think that they could be very fun to explore and connect with other people on who may have those planets in similar or the same um, signs because you often have big traits about you that are shared um, across like your generation and, and people who grew up around the same time. Um, Also, if you're into like event astrology or what's called horary astrology, I'm probably saying it wrong, but that's astrology related to answering a question, the outer planets can be really helpful because they're like basically setting the stage of like when and where and how things on like a community or societal level were happening um so if you follow me like on instagram you've probably seen a few videos that i've done about roe v wade and sb8 here in texas and looking at the astrology of those two events and so like those big plant those outer planets that like cal was saying can move years at a time have a big influence on like long-term stuff so especially also when we're talking about like how do we envision a community without police? How do we envision a community with healthcare and housing? Like looking to outer planets for some insight into how to make things happen can be really useful. Yeah. Um, so those outer planets are Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Um, and they all rule and are ruled by different things within our charts. Um, so, so let's start with Jupiter. Big Daddy Jupe. Big Daddy Jupe. We love some blessings from Big Daddy We Jupe. love Jupiter in this house. Um, Jupiter represents abundance and expansion. Jupiter's day of the week is Thursday. So if you're needing a day to really ball out, Thursday's a good one. <laughs> um, and Jupiter, and this makes sense because Jupiter is ruled by Sagittarius or Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter, however you want to think about it. But anyways, Sagittarius, we haven't done an episode on Sagittarius, but Sagittarius is the party sign. Like Sagittarius is here for a good time, not a long time. And um, the Sagittarius in our lives really help us to think about like 
who we are when we're at our best. And they really help us to imagine and envision the best versions of ourselves, the best versions of something happening. It's hard for Sagittarius to be pessimistic. And Jupiter is the same way, right? Abundance and expansion can't happen if you're having limiting thoughts and beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Jupiter, I love calling Jupiter Big Daddy Jupe because it makes me think of like Santa Claus or something, like just yes. bringing us Blessings. gifts. And like Jupiter certainly can do that. And I think really teach us about like, not only what abundance could look like, but how how to actually expand those things, how to grow the pie, how to envision mm. how the world could be different. Um, and so it teaches us things that we can then use to do whatever we want with. Um, and on a personal level, Jupiter teaches us like, how do we expand our thoughts? How do we mm-hmm. expand um, our approaches? How can we be abundant, not just uh, in tangible like financial ways, but how can we be abundant in love, abundant in kindness, abundance in all of its many forms? Um, and so Jupiter really challenges us to break through limiting beliefs. Well, and almost kind of like, I don't want to say on the other end of the spectrum, but Saturn. Two sides of (laughs) balance, right? (laughs) Right, right, right. You get, you have abundance and expansion here with Jupiter. This kind of like dreamy, you know, these dreamy vibes. Big Daddy Jupe won't be stopped. And, you know, even this year, we've seen Jupiter and Saturn be in opposition to one another um, and have, have sent some interesting, like, conflicts there, as well as some interesting energy to, like, work together. When your limits have to face the possibilities of what could be without them, yeah. only one can win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> But sometimes they also work together, right? Like we've seen well, that that they push, like they right. they can push in terms of thinking about expansion. Those the the expansion can push so much that we push past the limits and we get to something bigger, better. The the structure we always talk about Saturn in limits, but it's also its structure. Um, it is restriction, but it is. I think of Saturn at its best as right fit. And mm-hmm. so what is the right fit for the moment? And so sometimes we can look, I am very guilty of this, of dreaming too big, too fast and going and doing, taking on too much, doing too much. And Saturn comes around to be like, what if you reel that back a little bit? Mm-hmm. What is actually, you know, uh, like we were saying, because Saturn's ruled by Capricorn, Capricorn is asking for sustainability. What would actually, what is possible so that you can replicate and continue into the future and not get so big that you explode? Right, right. How do we sustainably grow this pie, right? How do we, how do we sustain abundance? Which like, it's abundance. It goes on forever. So we got to like, think about how we are maintaining that. But like, Um, it's like for hurting my bakers out there, if you put the dough in the wrong size pan, as it expands, it will overflow and your kitchen and your oven is now going to smell like burnt sugar. And it's going to take forever to clean it because you weren't expanding to the right fit. 
-hmm. if you put and same if you put it into too small or too big of a pan, then it's never going to get to the full size that it was supposed to. And you're not going to get that fluffy top that you wanted. So figuring out right fit for the right amount of abundance and expansion that can be held in this moment is a really important lesson. Yeah. Um, well, and as we've already said on this episode, chaos is a ladder, and oh. um, there is a planet of chaos, one Uranus, ruled by Aquarius. Um, certainly balances out the stability of the structure we find in Saturn. Um, yeah, Uranus, I feel like, takes the kind of like dreamy qualities of Jupiter, but like times a hundred and it's just like and mixes them with gunpowder <laughs> right correct like you know we were talking about the eclipses also being chaotic and sometimes a surprise is a treat and sometimes it's not right chaos sometimes it's a ladder <laughs> up sometimes it's a ladder down and often when we see uranus um connecting with uh some of the other planets or moving into certain signs it's like is it going to be friction in like striking a match or friction like scraping your knee? Like, right. <laughs> how's this gonna go? And that is often determined by the placement and again, like how it's interacting with other planets and also where it's showing up for you. But when we think about it on a society level, um, Uranus can be really helpful for, which it's perfect that it's ruled by Aquarius, it can be really helpful for revolution. Like it's the mm -hmm. revolutionary planet. Yeah. It comes in and says, get rid of all of this shit. It's not working. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that is a moment of liberation. And sometimes that is a moment of destruction. Right. Right. And like there are multiple ways in which that can like manifest and play out on the world. Um, and then I think like with any kind of like revolution, right? You also, there needs to be some imagination there. Like a revolution yes. occurs in the hope that things will be better if we overturn the system and create a new one, right? And so mm -hmm. Neptune swoops in there, ruled by Pisces. Once again, this like, I think of Jupiter and Neptune in particular as like these dreamy kind of like, big older planets right that are um sharing all kinds of like ideas and revealing things to these us. are planets that don't want to be told no right and in fact right. won't be told no and so neptune neptune literally can help with dreams and the dream space um but thinking about kind of big picture with neptune like cal said it's the planet where we envision what could be, what is possible if. It's where we get to start brainstorming and playing and innovating. And, you know, if we went through the chaos of revolution with uh, Uranus, then we get to have dreamy Neptune being the thing that keeps us going when things get hard and difficult and makes you want to stay with it. The other side of that, which... This is my beef with Pisces. <laughs> it's not always tethered to reality. Like yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like if Saturn, Saturn is strictly reality, no more, no less. And then Neptune is like, what if none of this was real? Right. What and if this if is all a simulation? Already prone to disassociating. <laughs> 
can't say Neptune is like your bud. No. Um, and Pisces, same. Like Pisces is dreamy, visionary, and also can struggle with grounding and tethering themselves to the here and now. Like you can get so caught up in the possibility of what could be. It's like falling in love with potential that you <laughs> miss what's actually in front of you that needs your attention now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's a difficult thing to like manage, right. Of like how to imagine without like getting fully lost in like what could be or what exists elsewhere. Um, quite honestly, I think of Democrats as Neptune because at our best, we are envisioning a world that is inclusive and supportive of all. At our worst, we are so far in the weeds that we have lost the fact that we are talking about real people and the impacts on their real lives, yeah. right? Like, and so you're constantly, the tension is constantly trying to balance the what could be with what is mm-hmm. and how do you, how do you continue to move to align the two? Yeah, yeah. Um, our final you know, outer planet is the one is a planet. Pluto. It is absolutely a planet. Um, I actually just listened. I discovered this new artist this week named John Wesley Rogers, who's apparently a TikTok human. Um, But Brene Brown interviewed him. And right, Brene Brown is my everything. Um, And they were talking about he's got an album called Pluto and a song about Pluto. And he sings about like when I was a kid, Pluto was a planet. And like the like he talks about like love, but in relationship to like Pluto not being a planet. It's very interesting, very fun. And Pluto's very much a planet, folks. I won't be told otherwise. Absolutely um, not. But Pluto dives deep into the underworld. Pluto is the slowest moving of the outer planets. It changes sign, you know, every like 10 to 12-ish years, something like that. Um, And if you are familiar with like, um, what's it called? Greek mythology Uh, in Hades? Yes, like (laughs) Hades. Yeah, you knew exactly where I was going. (laughs) I'm Um, there, I'm with you, we're vibing. (laughs) (laughs) Some some folks may also refer to to Hades as Pluto. Um, And the the story of Hades, which you may be familiar with, um, particularly through things like Hercules, like Hades, Pluto is the ruler of the underworld, of the deep, dark underbelly of the things that are unseen, the things that we that we try to avoid that are things mm-hmm. we don't want to see, often about ourselves and also like about our world, I love right? Pluto. Yeah, I know you do because <laughs> yours is ruled by Scorpio. Well, Pluto is ruled by Scorpio. And yes, mine is in and yours Scorpio. is also ruled right, right yeah. at home. We'll get there. <laughs> uh the way the love hate I have for shadow work is very real. Um, in that I love it for others, hate it for myself. And like Pluto, honestly, Pluto being a planet, not being a planet, all of that is like pretty fucking spot on in that it is like, do I want to hide from this? Do I want to ignore this? Or will I look at it and face it and take it for what it really is? 
which is a planet again. Um, and so again, thinking about like this big, like society, um, view of Pluto, Pluto forces us to look at the parts unseen, the parts that we, the parts of our society, of our communities, of our world that we would rather just sweep under a rug and ignore. Um, but ultimately, you know, like Neptune envisioning a future, the only way that we get to a future is if we address the shit that's holding us back, that's limiting us, keeping us small. Um, Jupiter can't help us expand if we are trying to just keep our shadow and underbelly to the side. Like it's got, it's going to grow with us. So either it can grow in a healthy way or an unhealthy way. Yeah, exactly. And like with all these planets, like with all these signs, like with astrology more broadly, it's like, these are all opportunities to work with things. There are challenges and blessings that come with each of them. Right. Um, So that feels like a good little segue into our individual placements, given that your Pluto is in Scorpio. It is. So, Sarita, tell us a little bit about, like, your outer planets and sort of the role (laughs) that they play. Sure. What's hilarious is almost all of my personal planets are in my seventh house in Leo, and the majority of my outer planets are in in my 12th house in Capricorn. I have Saturn, Uranus, Neptune. 12th house represents the underworld. It's shadow work. It's it's the last leg before you get back into the first house. And so for me, shadow work and this go in, this coincides with Scorpio ruling um my 10th house, which is where Pluto is. Shadow work is at the core of everything I do. Of everything like my purpose in life we're getting to the heart of it is to just dig we're talking about the nasty shit the nasty shit and at its best yes it allows me to be honest about what is about what needs change what needs help and then actually do something about it at its worst it allows me to be toxic and wallow in my fucking shit um <laughs> i mean especially given that you have saturn uranus and neptune in, in my- that place um because like saturn as we talked about like has this sort of like system and structure like bit to it whereas mm-hmm. like uranus and neptune sort of give you chaos and space to like dream it up right all and in then- the sign of restrictive ass capricorn right which wow. Saturn's at There's home in couple, Capricorn. A couple of tension places there. Only. Saturn's at home in Capricorn, right? That's its mm-hmm. domicile. That's its ruling um, sign. So it's like comfy, cozy. It's like, cool, we're going to create systems for you around how to approach yours and others' shadow. Like, we're going to create some rules of engagement. Lovely. And then Uranus and Neptune are like, we won't be tamed. <laughs> we will just throw toxicity into your face mm-hmm. and see if you can fucking catch it and deal with it. Yeah. We will allow you to be a trigger for others, whether they recognize it or not, and see how you fucking deal with it. Like, <laughs> do you know how annoying it is being me? <laughs> I'm fucking sick of me. <laughs> and then, yes, from there, I have... Pluto in Scorpio, my 10th house. 10th house represents legacy, 
It represents the impact that you leave on the world. So there's yet additional, like just deep delving, but like people will remember you for it. Like people are going to remember you for digging the shit up. People will remember you for being a motherfucking problem. (laughs) Someone's got to do it. That bitch who is constantly like, what if we talked about racism? (laughs) Not on my watch. You are a Yanwa. I am, and she doesn't get the fucking respect she deserves. (laughs) Another episode. Another Another episode. episode. Um, So again, when you think about legacy... My legacy is deeply rooted in shadow work for myself and others, in creating spaces, creating environments in which we can confront hard truths. Mm. Again, I'm a real fucking treat. And then my last outer planet, which is the only outer planet in my seventh house pileup in Leo, seventh house being partnerships and relationships, is Jupiter at zero degrees. I say that only because we tend to think of the zero degree and the 29 degree as um, points of fate. So with zero, it's the start of a cycle. And with 29, it's the close of a karmic cycle. So for my planet of abundance and expansion to be at the beginning of a cycle of expanding and creating abundance within partnerships, honestly, is very exciting for me because that tells me, one, past me did a lot of work to heal partnerships, and I love her for that. Mm -hmm. But two, and this is something that has become increasingly more clear to me, honestly, in the last year, my partnerships and connection to others are deeply, deeply, not only important to me personally, but are important to my own success. And Mm -hmm. so managing my partnerships, having genuine, authentic, Pluto shadowy partnerships is really important in how I function in the world. Um, So those are my outer planets. Cal, tell us about yours. Yeah, so um, my planets are not, my outer planets are not as they're in a couple of big places. So um, I've got, my Saturn is in Pisces, um, which is very interesting. It also like makes no sense at all. Like Saturn is very much not at home in Pisces. Um, Like Pisces, you know, is a sign of like, we just talked about kind of like these big dreams, this very like big imagination, right? Um, and so Pisces has a tendency to sort of like dissolve those barriers. Like Sarita, you even made the point of like, Pisces is like the sign of dissociation. Disassociation. <laughs> um, and so like, there's always, I feel like a, a tension there in that Saturn placement because, um, they, they, they are just like, that. that is like a natural tension point. Right. And like this dreamy um you know like big imagination big ideas um in this this planet uh, that is like about systems um but the really beautiful thing is like when those things can meld together particularly in my 11th house which is where that planet is right there which the 11th house is the house of like friends community um 
it actually creates, I think, this really beautiful blend of like, I have this need for like a, a community, right? And like, I think that that is especially found in like Saturn's desire for systems like I need like a physical community that I can like see and touch and feel and like see the support systems in place Mm. um and I also tend to build those communities around people who like have very shared ideas like that I share ideas like big ideas with right like philosophically um we, we we kind of like view life in the same ways which feels very Piscean right like we think very big about the world and so um it's interesting how some of those things I feel like take shape in my life yeah Ooh, that's I love that right like kind of dreamy um and then I've got um, Uranus and Capricorn. Um, Uranus and Neptune actually are both in Capricorn in my ninth house, which is a very active house in my chart. Um, we love a pileup. I've got, it's, they're part of um, my stellium that I have in Capricorn. Um, so my Uranus placement here, like, as we talked about, Uranus is this planet of chaos. It's a planet of like big ideas. It's a planet of like revolution. Um, so also like having this sign or this planet in Capricorn, like you're like you, Serena, like <laughs> very funny. We actually have these placements in common. Yeah. Um, we, you know, are very much interested in like even I see this in our conversations. Like we talk a lot about like transformational change Mm. on like a in a sustainable way right and it's transformational because it can last yes um and we also have like this natural distrust of institutions with like neptune coming in there of like we're in the um capricorn like the sign of like institutions and order and systems but it's the planet of imagination right and so we're skeptical of these systems in a way that we try and we do imagine like how can we actually change these these how systems could these be and these institutions right because like we don't trust that they're actually the best that they can be um both of these placements are in my ninth house of travel and education publishing and philosophy and so like what that really means for like my chart is that I tend to explore these really big um, things within like through learning, through mm. higher education, through like systems of thought, right? Which are definitely things that I'm like exploring. Like I'm interested in research and like a PhD at some point. Cal, have you ever thought um, about grad school? You know, I have, in fact, thought about grad school. I'm, like, am exploring grad school. And, like, I'm really interested in, like, teaching and in the ways in which, like, teaching and all the forms that teaching can take from, like, a one-on-one, like, facilitation and training space, which I'm very much, like, working in, um, to, like, a bigger, you know, more traditional setting of, like, teaching and what does that look like? How do we teach one another, empower one another with knowledge in order to reimagine and recreate all of these things um so very much very much like a big part of my chart and it's funny that we share those placements as people who were born you know not far apart I love Um, I love our I love the Capricorn stellium like it's a it's a real vibe and 
it's a fun time. Mm-hmm. My final two planets, um, I've also got Jupiter and Sagittarius, which like Big Daddy Jupe, right? Hey. Uh, home yes. in Sagittarius in my eighth house. Um, right. Also pretty lovely. Um, but the the gist here with with Jupiter being in Sagittarius is like, Serena, you talked about this earlier with with Jupiter being ruled by Sagittarius, and that Sagittarius is always asking us like what is our life like when we are our best selves? And, you know, how do we get to what is best, right? And is that mm. like eternal optimist almost? Mm-hmm. And this is very much like, I moan and I groan and I very much like have a pessimism. There is a pessimism about me, but ultimately like I always find my way back to this like optimism that like humans can figure it out which is pretty gross in my opinion, but it's what I believe. Um, <clears throat> which is really interest, interesting, like being a skeptic while also like holding on to this hope that like things will be okay and we will figure it out. Um, and they're I, both with Jupiter and Pluto in this place in my chart. Like there is both like a fear and a reverence for the unknown and sometimes both. And I really feel mm. myself sort of like gravitating or or um hopping from one idea to the other there of like there's some days where I'm like yeah we haven't explored any of this there are so many so many ways we can like fix this problem there are so many opportunities for us to like collaborate and make things better and then there are other times where I'm like we don't know shit we're never gonna know shit we're all fucked you know like <laughs> there i really we don't know shit between, we've never known shit like <laughs> we're never gonna know shit like it is chaos and also like a weird form of um stability i think to mm-hmm. like like the the midpoint between those two things is like a true form of stability where like yes the unknown is scary while the unknown also offers opportunity and we have to take risks into the unknown in order to like mm. find out which is the answer yes. um, and that can be really fucking hard but these these placements in my chart really encourage me to like understand both the reverence and the fear that comes with the unknown and try to find that midpoint, I think is my like greatest challenge. Yes. Um, so yeah, these big outer planets, they're doing some work. Um playing some big roles in my chart. Yes. Yeah. It's as if they do a lot. It's as it's as if they carry a lot of weight in natal charts um (laughs) so with all of that you know we've talked a lot about the roles that these planets play in your chart encourage y'all to think about sort of all the things about these planets the the signs that they operate in the places they show up in your chart and how you might be able to work with them yourself um so we're gonna take a short little break and then we'll be back with your call to action
and we are back. Uh, and so this month, we have been trying out a new thing with our call to action of really honing in and focusing on a specific topic to help us all learn more about it and how we can be of support. Um, and so it has been um, the two organizations that we've really been kind of pointing folks towards is the Coalition to Stop Violence Against Native Women, as well as the Native Women's Wilderness um, Organization. So if you haven't checked them out, please do. Uh, this week, especially because we were talking about these outer planets um, and how they impact society and our ability to shift and change society and envision different worlds, we wanted to highlight um, a group uh, that is based in Montana, and they really focus on uh, this idea of how could we better protect and how could we better honor the lives of indigenous women and children um, outside of the existing system that is not doing it. Um, so the uh, just a couple of little details. Um, so collecting accurate data about missing persons in Indian country is the only way we can begin to combat the missing and murdered issue plaguing Native communities in North America. Um, the organization tells us that there are um, over 1,115 tribes in the United States and Canada. 84% of Indigenous women have experienced physical violence in their lifetime. 84%. Okay? Just want to make sure we all hear it. Um, this group is based in Montana. There are eight tribal nations that are located in Montana. And Native Americans are four times as likely to go missing in the state of Montana than their non-Native counterparts. 84% of Indigenous women have experienced physical violence in their lifetime, and Native Americans are four times more likely to go missing in the state of Montana. 84%. Like, like that's fucking I just, bad. I can't yeah. stop saying it. Like, if, if you are an Indigenous woman who has not experienced violence you're by the anomaly. end of your life, you're, like, extremely in the minority. Like, what in the holy fuck? <laughs> that is... Awful. Truly fucked, and I hate it. Um, so the organization that we have are getting this from is the Montana Missing Indigenous Persons Reporting Portal. So they have teamed up um, with this, this group has connected with the four different indigenous tribes in Montana that were mentioned and created basically a database to report a missing person, as well as you can search by tribe any missing people from that area um, and include tips. They work directly with law enforcement. Um, it, fun fact that a lot of people don't realize that often um, native lands have a different law enforcement than the, the community around them that came out of a place of protection because law enforcement, surprise, surprise, was not supporting indigenous folks. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that can also create um, isolation when we're trying to figure out 
where people are, how people, who hurt people, all of that. So this group has created a database to kind of bridge that gap. And so Dreamy Neptune helping us envision what could be. I was going right? to say, look at us like talking about this, like re-envisioning of like, how do we address problems? Like, yes. how do we, I feel like we've talked a lot about like imagination with these big planets and like opportunities to like shift culture, right? And to shift the way that we do things generationally from generation to generation. And like, this is just one example of people who are doing that, um, which is so powerful and important. So yes. um, check out their website for additional, just like information about the work that they're doing. Um, very important work in Montana that, you know, maybe we can scale up or replicate in other places to continue, you know, closing these gaps and getting creative about, how we build the world that we deserve Absolutely. and the world that indigenous women deserve. Yes. Um, and with that, that's it. Another that's it, episode friends. of In the Chaos. Ugh, thanks for hanging uh, with us. And we'll see you uh, next time. Bye, friends. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this episode. To learn more about what we talked about in this episode, you can visit our website at inthechaospod.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at thechaospod. And you can find me, Sarita, on the internet at Sarita Fonta. That's S-E-R-I-T-A-F-O-N-T-A. And you can find me, Caljack Cade, on the internet at Caljack Cade, C-A-L-J-A-C-K-C-A-D-E. Special thanks to our audio editor, John Dron, who you can find at John Dron, J-A-W-N-D-R-A-W-N. And thanks to digital designer, Shannon Elder, who you can find at Shannon.Renee, that's S-H-A-N-N-O-N dot R-A-Y-N-A-E. See you hoes next time. Bye. Bye.